G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. If you're just joining us, joining into a special broadcast today as we preview tomorrow's South Australian state election. Our two guests coming through this next 30 minutes, David DeLima, Family Voice Australia, South Australian State Director, and Tom Kutsantonis, who's a Labor MP for West Torrens. Uh, welcome to you, David DeLima, welcome. Thank you very much, Neil. And to Tom Kutsantonis, welcome along. Thank you for having me. Okay, let me just start with something a little bit lighthearted. Uh, David DeLima, uh, a fake $100 note. Uh, Tom's face has appeared on it. What is, what's the story? Well, that was in our uh, South Australian uh, daily newspaper, The Advertiser, on Tuesday. And I, I'm sure Tom's never been portrayed previously as Dame Nellie Melba, but uh, you'll be aware, of course, Neil, that the $100 note features uh, Dame Nellie Melba on one side and Sir John Monash on the other. And the Liberal Party, in its wisdom, decided that they should replace uh, Dame Nelly with uh, with my good friend Tom Coutts-Antonis, and that the uh, image of uh, Sir John Monash should be replaced by the ALP opposition leader, Peter Malnauskas. Now, that annoyed me, I've got to say. I mean, I don't mind a joke, and I recognise that politics is full of rough and tumble. But there are some things, I think, that should be above the political fray. And that really irritated me, and so I was pleased that the advertiser found room yesterday for my brief remarks, basically saying that the $100 note is a commemoration of the First World War, and both uh, Monash and Melba made great personal contributions to Australia winning that First World War. And I thought it was pretty cheap of the Liberals uh, to have taken the, the line of, uh, of effectively defacing the $100 note. Tom, how did you feel? Oh, look, I take all these things with a pinch of salt. It's, it's nice to have sympathy, but I've got to say, I've been watching the Liberals' campaign, and I'm not quite sure what the purpose of it is. It's, it's just attacking people, and this is just one of their stunts, and, well, so what? I mean, for example, I, I did a video. My, my, my whole family and I had COVID, so we were in isolation, and my daughter's during their isolation, they were able to get an app where they could superimpose music onto onto the family, and they wanted to do um, they wanted to do an app, uh, a movie of us dancing. So I, they asked me to dance. So I begged me, "Come on, Daddy, please dance, dance." So I, as I was walking past the air conditioner channel, I did a quick little boogie, and uh, the girls posted it on our social media, and the liberals picked it up and used it in an attack ad on us. So that, that's that's campaigning. That's politics. That's unfortunately the way modern politics works. It's disappointing, but that's life. Okay. All right. I think one of those uh, rules of thumb is that you don't dance when you're a politician and look out uh, what's been posted before you became a politician. Hey, just staying with you for a few moments here, Tom, uh, you're a part of the Greek Orthodox community in South Australia. Yes. I wonder if you can give us a little insight into your own Christian background. Well, I was uh, obviously baptised into the faith um, 
my both of my parents were Greek Orthodox. I was born and raised in that family. I, I, I like to think I'm doing the same with my children. My children go to a um, uh, an independent school, a Greek Orthodox school. Uh, we attend liturgy uh, weekly, uh, and um, my wife and I are doing our very best to raise uh, our two children in, the, in a Christian household. Uh, it's getting harder and harder in the modern world to raise Christian children, uh, but we're quite committed to it personally. And, um, you know, we're teaching our daughters now how to fast properly during Lent. So we're in the, in the, in the period of the Great Holy Lent in the Orthodox tradition. And so the, the girls are going out with um, a few things to learn that they have to sacrifice the same way our Lord sacrificed in the desert for 40 days to prepare themselves for um, for Pascha, which is uh, our Easter. Fabulous. Uh, David DeLima, back to you. Family Voice Australia uh, been campaigning strongly, uh, a lot of uh, lobbying of politicians, uh, no doubt, on all sides. Uh, what, in your mind, has been the biggest and most uh, significant issue uh, that, uh, that, that voters have been talking about? Well, we personally concentrate on things that may not be particularly of interest to the public. Having said that, uh, abortion, of course, and euthanasia are the two red-hot matters that we've been looking at in these past couple of years. Both of those were passed last year. I I call that year uh, a year of legislative train wreck. Uh, And before I forget to say this, I really want to pay tribute to Tom Kutsantonis, who has been so vigorous on these life issues and pro-family issues really leading the charge. So thank you so much, Tom, for what you tried to do there. You're in the minority, uh, unfortunately, when it comes to the parliament. But I think you're in the majority when it comes to popular opinion. It's unfortunate, Neil, that abortion and euthanasia haven't featured in the campaign. They ought to, because the parliament's first duty when it when it resumes uh, after the election, in my view, in our view at Family Voice, is to revisit those ridiculous and, and uh, very, very damaging pieces of legislation to wind them right back, if not scrap them completely. Now, uh, that's our hope and prayer, of course. It's most unlikely, but but we do still worship a God of miracles. My hope for this election is that voters will will set aside party and think about the individuals they're voting for. And uh, I'm encouraging people to check out our Family Voice website in order to see where they're where their candidates, because most of them are returning MPs, where those returning MPs stood on on those two key issues. And that will be guiding my voting. Uh, I'll be putting uh, my my local member last because of the way that he voted on those two issues. This is an interesting uh, development in this campaign. There are some changing dynamics here, and the issues that you're talking about are certainly, uh, David, abortion and euthanasia and uh, the prostitution issue also uh, on the agenda there. I wonder, uh, Tom Kutzentonis, your thoughts on how people might even express anger at the election tomorrow because of the way their local MP voted, uh, whether it be Labor or Liberal? I think people should inform themselves before they vote about who they're voting for. Um, And, look, uh, I've been... Uh, criticised quite heavily by um, uh, a number of progressive people because I'm in the Labor Party and uh, I suppose my stance on these issues is not traditional uh, of the Labor Party. I'm a, I profess my Christian faith and I'm a practising Christian. And um, But that's not the reason I, I, 
I don't use my Christianity as an excuse for my voting. I, I, I do it on the basis of what I think is sound reasoning. For the abortion debate, I can see no good reason to completely deregulate abortion services in South Australia to the point where um, anyone can get an abortion at any stage of the pregnancy, regardless of almost any reason. And if, even if abortions are performed, uh, in quotation marks, illegally, there are now no penalties. Now, I have grave concerns about this legislation, and we made some serious changes to it, which I think have improved it. But nevertheless, the Premier and former Deputy Premier were quite committed to this legislation. We opposed it. Euthanasia as well, um, that was quite an overwhelming loss uh, for me because um, I think uh, the Parliament has changed so dramatically since the last 2018 election. There were a number, and I don't want to be too political, but there were a number of Liberal MPs who were elected and Labor MPs who replaced former Labor MPs who came in they had a very different view about euthanasia than the previous parliaments, and that's now law. The next big issue is going to be decriminalisation of prostitution and sex work reform. Now, that is going to be the tip of the spear for us in the next parliament, and there are very, very active people who are trying to move this. So I say to people, uh, Christians, ring your candidates and ask them what their views are on these matters. Be informed. Um, there are a number of, and again, without being too political, a lot of liberal voters who automatically assume by voting for a liberal candidate that they're going to get what they assume is a, uh, a, a Christian voice on these matters. They don't usually, that doesn't usually happen. And many often vote against Labor MPs not knowing what those Labor MPs stands are. So get it, be informed. Ring up your MP. Trust me, in an election campaign, they'll answer your call. <laughs> they want to talk to you. Uh, and ask them these questions and then vote accordingly. David DeLima, how have you uh, seen perceptions changing in this election campaign? Because uh, for a lot of listeners right now listening to us, not just in South Australia, but all over Australia and having their own uh, context of what happens in their state or their territory, things seem to be very different in South Australia. Yes, uh, with regard to perception, Neil, I think there's a huge gap between what the Parliament does and what the people perceive. So there's a gap in perception. There's not a recognition of what's going on. Uh, from time to time, I'll sit in the Parliament just to observe the debate and uh, have to restrain myself from, from crying out. But it often occurs to me that if people could see some of the nonsense that goes on, they'd be utterly outraged. So it's a great pity that people aren't tuning in. And you can tune in online. You can watch live stream. But nevertheless, uh, our, there's an apathy and there's a lack of knowledge. And you'll recall, Neil, that last year some 5,000 people marched past the parliament uh, against the abortion bill. That's a staggering number. It was a, a wet and rainy Saturday, as I recall. And a week later, it was a nice sunny Saturday, and only 200 people rallied in support of the abortion bill. Now, when 5,000 people take to the streets and I'm sure Tom will back me up on this, that represents many, many more thousands of people who, for whatever reason, couldn't turn up on the day. Uh, and yet, it didn't seem to change one vote in the Parliament. So there's a perception problem both with respect to the way people view Parliament, and there's a perception issue in the Parliament. It's become a kind of bubble, totally isolated, especially for people who are in safe seats. So I'm really hoping that tomorrow there'll be a huge shake-up and that we'll be turfing out some people who no longer deserve to be there, to put it quite frankly, uh, and others who 
who do deserve to be re-elected and others elected for the first time. So it's a bit like your fridge, Neil. If you don't clean it out from time to time, uh, things go bad and it, it needs it needs a real uh, a sweep through. So my prayer is that there'll be a real shake-up tomorrow and that candidates will never again uh, effectively despise the, the conservative Christian vote as they did with the abortion and euthanasia bills. Uh, Tom, some might abandon the major parties altogether and uh, I've been talking already in the earlier conversation about the rise, the reborn family first and uh, also uh, the emergence of the Australian Family Party under Bob Day who was originally with Family First uh, giving people an alternative. Uh, Is there a fear within the Labor Party that uh, there may be people who'll desert ship and go to these minor parties or independents, uh, or that they might, uh, perhaps even on the other side, uh, the Liberal side as well, which uh, it seems to be, may even be more likely. My plea, I think you're right, yes, there is a drift away from the major parties to the minor parties, especially on these important issues. But my very sincere hope is that Christians who are Labor voters stick with the Labor Party and get involved and active. So what I don't want to see happen is the Americanisation of our political system, where you've got one party, the Republicans, who are considered to be the Christian party, and then the Democrats are considered not to be. I'd like to see Christians in both parties. I'd like to see Christian voters sticking with their major parties and making sure that they have influence on their local MPs. But look, in the end, I'm a Labor MP. There's, um, these, matters, these are matters of conscience. Uh, and on matters of conscience, I exercise my, my conscience accordingly. But I'll always advocate a vote for Labor because I believe in the Labor Party. But I really do hope that Christians who vote for Labor know that there are people in the Labor Party who do share their values, do share their hopes and aspirations, and that there are some uh, other people out there who hear people like me in the Labor Party who hold a torch up and say, look, you can be a Christian and you can be in the Labor Party and you can advocate for Labor values and still remain a Christian. And now I'm... (laughs) Uh, maybe I'm unique, maybe I'm a dinosaur, I, I, I don't know. But I really do not want to abandon the major parties because while Family First and the smaller parties do good work, they are single-issue parties and they are attempting to rebalance the system. But the best way to rebalance the system is for Christians to get involved in their major political parties to make sure we don't have these slants to the, to, to the extremes of either position. That's my view, and I'm not trying to disparage any minor party, but I am Labor, and uh, I'm going to stick with Labor, but I'm going to stick with my Christianity first. David DeLima, there was real controversy in South Australia a little while back where Christians were being denied uh, entry into the Liberal Party. And uh, we, we were talking about this a little earlier, about Christians who have often felt unwelcome into the Labor Party uh, through issues that were uh, leading up to the marriage debate a few years back. Has that been resolved? Do Christians feel like they can join both major parties, the Liberal Party or the Labor Party? Well, you're referring to action by one particular individual, which is uh, Senator Alex Dantic, who's a, a fine conservative, uh, he was wanting to build up the conservative element, if you like, within the Liberal Party, which always prides itself as being a broadly based party, and quite rightly. Uh, the, the same is true of Labor, of course, historically. Uh, all sorts of, of, of philosophies have been there. 
Um, but it was it was because a, a concerted push was on. It really spooked the Liberal Party, I think, and they uh, firstly rejected all the applications out of hand, which was a bit of a crude response, and then they uh, decided to uh, contact people individually and find out daft things like whether whether or not Alex had paid for the paid for the money, uh, the, the entrance fee. You know, it was a bit daft. So. What this what this shows, Neil, is that the Liberal Party, and probably the same is true of Labor, is that they're not really used to people wanting to join the party en masse. Um, generally, if someone dribbles in here or dribbles in there, generally they dribble out, I've got to say, because political party membership has utterly collapsed, along with uh, union membership and, and every other worthy cause you can think of, such as church membership, uh, the service clubs, uh, voluntary associations, neighbourhood watch, you name it. So we really need a whole cultural shake-up here. But uh, Tom is absolutely right when he speaks about refreshing the parties. There are now so few members of our political parties that we are, we are moving towards the sort of executive-controlled uh, political philosophy. And uh, if we had more ordinary people, and I, again, I pay tribute to Tom because he didn't come into politics, you know, uh, as some staffer. Uh, he he had, a, had a real job. Um, and that, that's increasingly rare in politics. But we need people who've got ordinary, uh, ordinary jobs, ordinary families, uh, the, the ordinary Aussies, mum and dads, to come into both parties and to refresh them. So, yeah, I, I do encourage people to consider, this is very hard for Christians, because the last thing on their agenda is to join a political party. But uh, God loves the political parties, and the power of politics is held by the parties, deciding two key questions what are the policies, firstly, and secondly, whose name goes on the ballot paper? Uh, and it's not difficult to answer those questions. It doesn't cost too much. They say the world is run by those who turn up. So I'm encouraging Christian people, as Tom is doing as well, to join the parties. So what I'm hearing is uh, from you, Tom Kutzentonis, and uh, you're a Labour Party member in South Australia, that Christians are welcome uh, to join the Labour Party. And uh, no doubt, as I'm hearing from David DeLima, uh, from his perception, uh, that Christians, apart from that one little hiccup, uh, Christians are actually quite welcome to join the Liberal Party. And so Christians in politics, this is uh, one of those things, I guess, which becomes very important when it comes to the way that policy is shaped and formed. And uh, unless you've got a Christian voice, you're not going to have a, a Christian outcome, are you, Tom? No, you know, and if, if I can just give you my personal experience, I joined the Labor Party because I was a Christian. We help the poor. We want to help those who are disadvantaged. We want to, we want to make sure people get good health care. I think a lot of the values espoused by the Labor Party are shared by Christians. Now, I'm not saying if you're a Liberal voter, you should join the Labor Party to alter position. What I'm saying is if you're a Labor voter and a Christian, Join. If you're unhappy with the way the Labor Party is proposing policies, it is no good just to vote for someone else. Because if we get to the point where one political party is the only one who has Christian values and the other one abhors them, then you get policy outcomes because eventually one of the two parties loses and the other party forms government. You need Christian voices in both political parties so we don't get these sudden changes on these social matters which affect so many Christians. And if you want to see a Christian voice, you want to have Christian voices no matter who the government is. So my plea to you is, if you're a Labor voter, don't abandon us. If you, if you share Labor values and you're a Christian, join us. Don't walk away. 
be part of the solution. Uh, David, uh, we've had to farewell Tom Kutzentonis, who had to leave us uh, for just a few minutes. Let me just ask you about your insights from Family Voice Australia. It's bad news for the social policies in South Australia, as we've heard. And we've been hearing from uh, the uh, the Labor Party in particular, and we're yet to hear a, a solid conservative voice from the Liberal Party on this, but we've been hearing that both parties traditionally have some social conservative foundations. But what's gone wrong? What are your thoughts about what's happened in politics in South Australia and potentially around Australia? Yes, that's an excellent question, Neil. Now, both the Labor Party and the Liberal Party both had a very strong conservative and highly Christianised approach to many of these issues. In South Australia, for example, the, a bill for, uh, for euthanasia, uh, perhaps 30 years ago, w- would have received you know, two and three votes in the chamber, and people would have wondered, you know, what planet are, are those two and three from? Whereas now, overwhelmingly, it's changed. So what has gone wrong is, is the key question. I think what's gone wrong is that, is that Christians have abandoned the parliament to its autonomy, and they've abandoned the political parties to their autonomy. Uh, Tom rightly has said, you know, please don't walk away from the political process. Uh, unfortunately, politicians uh, are rated very poorly, as we all know, and we see the worst of their behaviour because many of the good things they do are rarely reported. We see the arguing and we see the scandals, uh, and this puts people off terribly. But, you know, Neil, God is very interested in politics. He has raised up all the civic authorities, and Scripture gives a biblical, biblically defined uh, job description for them, uh, which is to commend those who do right and to punish those who do wrong. It's in two places in the New Testament. So we Christians ought to be at the forefront, and we're, and we're re- required as an urgent New Testament priority to pray for kings and the authorities, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. So uh, we really need to examine our conscience as God's people and, and, and recognize that the the drift of both major parties towards what I call libertarian philosophy, which is being you know, pro-abortion, pro-euthanasia, pro-prostitution, etc. This has happened under our watch. So we need to ask ourselves, are we adequately praying and penetrating political culture as salt and light? Let me ask you about the practical aspects of what will happen when South Australian voters uh, turn up to the polling booth tomorrow. Uh, there'll be two voting forms and, uh, of course, uh, the uh, the lower house uh, vote, uh, fairly standard uh, number all the squares, and then uh, fairly standard too for the upper house votes uh, with above and below the line type of things that we've been getting used to. What I think listeners might be interested in from your perspective, David DeLima, maybe uh, whether this is a complicated way that preferences flow this time. Uh, There are all sorts of things we've been talking about that uh, aren't typical. Uh, What are your thoughts on how uh, listeners today in South Australia, particularly uh, when they're casting their vote, how they work with preferences? Yes. Well, it's very simple for the lower house because you'll have three, four, five, six, seven candidates, whatever it is. And we simply have to number them in the order of preference. So number one for the person we'd like most. Uh, as I've indicated, I'll be putting my sitting member last because of his voting record. Um, but that's fairly straightforward to vote for the lower house. The upper house is even more simple or massively more complicated, depend on how you approach that ballot paper, which uh, contains the names of about 51 candidates. And you can vote one or more above the line 
or you can vote 12 or more below. So I'll just say that again. You can vote one or more above the line or 12 or more below. So most people are just going to vote one above the line and be done with it. Uh, that's not very intelligent because it means that we are not shaping according shaping our preference flow according to our wishes. But if you vote one or more above the line right across the paper, then you're effectively filling in the names below uh, without having to number them all, all 51. You need a pencil sharpener and a rubber possibly if you want to do that. Uh, and I'm not against that at all, but very few people are going to do that, let's, let's face it. Uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, one, one above the line or more uh, is probably the, the easiest way. But we do encourage people, if they do take their pencil sharpeners with them, to fill below. And if they can consult the Family Voice uh, resources, they'll be able to see which of those, and they can sort of mix and match. Uh, now, it's very hard to find out exactly where people stand because often they refuse to say, which is not very democratic, is it? So some of this is going to have to be a bit of an educated guess if you fill below the line. Nevertheless, that's a challenge that uh, the listeners might like to take up. So on the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au, listeners should look for those resources available that will help them to understand uh, the candidates, where they stand on particular issues. Uh, There's also a website called savotes.org.au, and uh, that's a site that's been set up by the Australian Christian Lobby. actually has every candidate and a green tick or a red cross according to how they voted in those uh, life issues on abortion to birth. And uh, so very valuable uh, resource there. And so what else is on the Family Voice site that listeners might be able to take advantage of, David? Well, in particular, they'll be able to see how their members voted on the key issues of abortion and euthanasia and prostitution. I must just... uh, uh, correct one thing, Neil, if I may, and that is that uh, Peter Malinowskis, he did vote for the abortion bill uh, and for the euthanasia bill. So um, that's that's unfortunate because um, we, we thought he'd be a little more conservative than that. So he's marginally ahead of the Premier in the score because uh, the Premier, Stephen Marshall, voted for uh, for uh, all four matters that we've highlighted, which is abortion, euthanasia, what, what, what we call the Spears Amendment, which would have curtailed the, the impact of the abortion bill somewhat, and then prostitution. So um, Peter Malinowskis got, uh, got, got one out of those, those three, uh, according to our, according to our uh, reckoning. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to make that that clear to the listeners. Uh, the good thing is, though, listeners have a resource to go to because uh, you're in the dark if you don't take advantage of some great resources from Family Voice Australia at familyvoice.org.au uh, or on that other site that I mentioned, the savotes.org.au. Uh, time's running out. Uh, the thoughts, uh, a quick thought or two around religious freedom here. Uh, This hasn't, as I understand it, registered very strongly in the campaigns uh, in the lead-up to the election. Uh, Any thoughts here around religious freedom and how you think uh, perhaps listeners might think about uh, both sides as they're casting their vote? Yes, yes, Neil. Uh, Now, just to correct what I just said, uh, Peter Malnaskis, he he got uh, two out of four whereas the Premier got four out of four wrong. Um, but listeners can check that on the website. 
Concerning religious freedom, the Marshall government ran out of time in the current term that's just concluded, and we're very concerned about changes to equal opportunity legislation which could curtail freedom of faith. It's not just for Christians, it's for, for any person of faith. Currently, there are exemptions in relation to faith, and we're very concerned that the parliament, when it resumes, uh, regardless of who wins government, uh, will be looking at this issue and this could well represent a, an attack on freedom of faith. So we've got schools and hospitals and churches, aged care facilities, which are run on faith principles. We want to employ people on the basis of their faith and that they live out their faith in, in, in the way they conduct themselves. And, and the freedom also to, to share the truth in schools and in churches. So uh, we, we are very concerned, and this matter has not been raised as part of the of the uh, election campaign, uh, regrettably. Um, the, the media seems to be somewhat uh, asleep on duty, but uh, for Mark's Division FM for allowing these kinds of forums. Uh, David, especially here for listeners, I wonder whether you can make this uh, easy. Uh, if you're talking uh, both sides uh, who are up for election tomorrow, uh, which side looks the preferred candidate for the uh, preserving of these religious freedoms? Is there one side that's more in favour than the other? No, I think uh, that on these kind of questions that both parties have really drifted away. It's so sad because both parties had this historic Christian foundation. You think of the, uh, the tremendous gains that were made by the union movement, which was pioneered in Australia, and that, of course, gave birth to the ALP internationally uh, here in Australia. Uh, so both parties have, have forgotten their history and their, and their theology, if I can put it that way. And that means that it's really wide open to see uh, wh whether the ALP or the Liberals would be any better or any worse on this issue. I suspect they'll be equally bad. But um, if there is kind of shake-up that we're praying for, then who knows what kind of a parliament we'll get, as Lynn Arnold is hoping, that uh, there, could be, uh, there could be quite a few independents coming through, and that, I think, will be very good for politics. Okay, it's not good news for religious freedom on both sides of the parliament in South Australia. David DeLima, I'm going to farewell you now, but uh, very, very quickly, uh, any thoughts on a prediction for tomorrow's election? Uh, one side winning a majority, a uh, hung parliament, uh, a whole bunch of crossbench independents and minor parties. What, what are your thoughts, quickly, very quickly, on an outlook? Yes, yes, uh, yes to all the above. All, all the above, really. It's a brave man who makes a political a, a, a prediction, but um, I, I dare say if the polls are right, then the ALP would probably win comfortably. Okay. David DeLima, Family Voice Australia, South Australian State Director. David, thanks so much for giving us your insights on this special 2020 election preview. Thank you so much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.